about creative coding and generative design by Patrick Hübner and Timo Rodenbrücker. Hey everyone, it's amazing to have you here. Well, this is the very, very first episode of the Two Perspectives podcast and I'm super excited to kick this off. Um, well, the Two Perspectives podcast is basically uh, something I've been planning and thinking about a lot together with my friend Patrick. You know, we are friends since more than seven years and right from the beginning we were starting to learn and practice creative coding and generative design. And because we are just spending so much time together, walking through the woods here in Germany, in, in uh, Paderborn, <laughs> uh, we thought it would be amazing to share all these ideas and all these questions with the world. So basically that's the idea behind. Um, yeah, so I'm Tim. I am basically one of these two perspectives, or I represent one of these two perspectives. Mine is more... Uh, coming from, I'm coming from an educational background. Basically, I'm building an online learning platform and a community for people learning creative coding, right? So, Patrick has a slightly different perspective on all, the, all these topics. So, maybe he can tell us by himself. <laughs> yeah, Hi, Patrick. Excited hey. <laughs> to be here, man. Uh, super cool that we can finally make it happen. So, yeah, I basically um, believe that I kind of unlock and use the potential of generative design for like brands, agencies, and cultural institutions. And what I really do is kind of transform data into uh, multiple experiences. And I try to tell stories with creative algorithms because I have a background in communications design. So I collaborate with uh, agencies, brands, um, and just cool places and people and uh, try to do my best to enrich their work with my perspective. Wow, sounds great. That's exactly the same as I would describe your work. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, uh, let's get started. So basically the, the topic or the theme for this very first episode is uh, generative design, right? So Patrick, what is <laughs> generative design? <laughs> Well, I mean, it's it's really hard to put in one sentence, and I think we both have been struggling with that answer for uh, yeah so many years. Um, but that's also really a good thing because it encompasses like so many different aspects and elements. If I were to put it like maybe in one sentence, it's to use like the potential of um, uh, the computer and the creative. Um, sense in a different way than what's usually being done so i mean that's like maybe a very esoteric way of putting it but it's basically hmm. um, using programming languages data um i don't know algorithms all that kind of stuff and to use it to drive uh, a kind of design process uh, always centered around usually visual systems but it could also output hmm. uh, all other kinds of um, stuff and i think the way we both you and me uh, interpret it is um, especially in the realm of communication design and graphics design right exactly uh, generative design can be bigger than that and it's also applied in all other forms but i think this is really the field we're both very interested in so um, i think it's really about um, having the computer contribute to the creative process in new ways or how would you describe it that's a wonderful description. I think that's, that's pretty good. I would describe it quite similar. So for me, generative design basically consists uh, or is, is, can be represented or um, let's say displayed or explained through this input-output model where you put something into a system, into an algorithm, which transforms it into a new medium. So And basically that's the idea we are circling around so often and it's so powerful. I think you are much closer on the work uh, with the input-output model because my mission is to, let's say, onboard creatives that have an aesthetic sense and, and, and a, you know, 
uh, a vivid creativity for this theme of creative coding. So co um, programming with an artistic purpose, right? And you are really um, someone who is very far into, inside of that theme. I mean, you're very you're a very talented creative director as well as a creative technologist working with programming language for such a long time. And I have to say, you was the one who really taught me the very fundamentals, which is something I'm very thankful for. That's uh, thanks, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> cool, but I'm blushing. Um, <laughs> no, it's like definitely. Let's talk about the input output and general, uh, you know, our findings of the creative strategies behind this. Uh, maybe also in this episode because I think it's really important. Um, one thing I find, um, especially in the field of generative design, is that a lot of people focus on the technology and programming and all that kind of stuff. And I think what mm -hmm. the both of us really always were more interested in, in was like the creative potential of it, not really looking at okay you know, what computer languages to use or what like specific, I don't know, um, techniques to use, but really how that can actually impact uh, communication design and how you can tell stories with it, how you can reach people and what the real creative potential behind it is. So also one of the things I hope that we're going to be doing on this podcast is not really talk about um, so many technical elements, but more about, you know, our findings mm -hmm. in like the real world, how it actually impacts and reaches people. And I think, especially in your case, how it also uh, changes people's lives. I mean, it's a, it's a big thing to say, but I, I really, when I look at your Q&As and, and everything you do when you talk to people, um, I see that really uh, creative people start to find like a new perspective or, or vision or angle on, you know, what creativity can also mean. And that's really cool because I think we are kind of... Um, bound in our ways of using the more traditional tools. And I think one of the things we're going to discuss a lot and from multiple you know, perspectives and angles is this idea of that generative design, creative coding allows us to build our own tools um, and to really be completely independent and free from um, like the more traditional things that could be done with, with the, um, you know, such tools without naming anything. Else. Absolutely. <laughs> You've nailed it. Absolutely. So it's, that's, that's exactly, I mean, I, I, I love that situation that I'm in, right? I, I'm now able really to live from the uh, work that I do or the efforts I do uh, in building a community for creative coding. That's something I'm working on since many, many years. Uh, it started out with, uh, you know, being active in Facebook groups, also um, uh, uh, doing these events, these creative coding days in the Netherlands, as well as in Paderborn. Um, and yeah, so it's, a, it's an amazing journey. And Yeah, it's so cool that we have each other, right? It's so cool to have a sparrings partner where we can swap our ideas, also work on our profiles, on our mission and have someone to swap ideas all about these very complex and very, uh, let's say, nerdy topics, right? That's so helpful. That's a good point because um, I think especially this kind of exchange that we constantly have and, um, you know, we, we talked about so long of that, you know, it, it might hopefully be interesting to some people to kind of listen in and, and maybe take something off away from that. It's just because um, when you get started with like creative coding and generative design, there's like all these examples um, of people like, I don't know, doing famous algorithms and that kind of stuff. And it's kind of easy to get into it initially, I guess, especially, you know, if you teach him. But um, I think the bigger question and, and the largest obstacle really is to, you know, how to go beyond just, I don't know, Uh, the initial stuff that you can do with it, how you can actually use it and apply it to, you know, your yes. kind of work, to your kind of voice, to your kind of uh, interests. And um, yeah, again, I mean, I quickly, well, not that quickly, but after a while it kind of happened that I just, uh, I don't know, really applied it to my background of communications design, working with mm. agencies, brands, that kind of stuff. It kind of naturally 
um, lend itself to this kind of work, while people with other backgrounds will probably push it into quite different uh, directions. I mean, there's a lot of um, possibilities for data visualization, artistic practices, interactive works. I mean, mm. if you look at the history of the very young history of, of generative design and go back to um, also like the 60s and, um, you know, you just see such such um, uh, potential. And I think it's um, something that only now is really coming to fruition because um, now everybody really has access to uh, good computers, um, lots of data and um, a huge amount of um just information, all kinds of stuff, really. I mean, uh, like your tutorials uh, and and your in-depth series. I mean, that's just stuff that wasn't available before. So I'm super intrigued and excited to to find out, you know, uh, how how broad this kind of stuff can get. And uh, but again, I mean, I, I digress. Really, uh, the thing about it is to get to that kind of level. I think it's really important to uh, go beyond just the technical stuff and trying to do like the next cool simulation thing, but really yeah. think about it as a a medium of expression, I guess. That's true, absolutely. But maybe we can break this whole thing down. I mean, we are talking about something very complex, right? Generative design. What does it exactly mean? I mean, there is a book that has been, I, I think it came to the market around 2009, and pe people have some images in their mind, so, sort of images or, or visuals in their mind or animations that they connect with generative design. Uh, we've been talking about this a lot and we've been, as you know, I think basically it's, it's a little bit misleading because generative design is not a style or it's not a, it's not a specific kind of visual style, right? It's more, a, it's more a thinking pattern that can have any shape in the end, right? Maybe we can talk about this a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, uh, by the way, one of the final or one of the interesting things I usually find when I talk to people about this is that they have seen some of these examples and then they think this is it, as you describe, right? But it's it's one of the mm -hmm. biggest missions, I guess, for me, but I, I assume for the both of us to tell people um, this is just one form of interpretation and usually like abstract graphics and images And this field lend themselves more easily to these kind of things, but there's so much more that could be done with this. And um, but it, it takes a form of yeah, I guess education and just trying to expose people um, to these various ideas, not just on the surface, but kind of what we're doing here right now to talk about the backgrounds and how these things kind of take their shapes and form to really explain what it is. If you talk about generative design, I guess it's um, it's it's a bit more difficult term in terms of what it already means to people because it's also being heavily used in um, uh, architecture and uh, anything related to finding uh, shapes and forms where the computer can actually model things which are um, you know um, harder or better than something else. So that's uh, one of the aspects of um, you know what what uh, I guess generative design and creative coding can do, like have the computer like just run multiple calculations on a on a problem. Um, I guess the term creative coding is a bit more open in terms of the community and I guess more artists and um, people who express themselves identify as a creative coder than as a generative designer. Yeah, it's true. It's kind of difficult and it's a discussion we have there's no i don't know if there's any fixed terms i mean if you again look at a little bit the history of this field is that uh, one thing will always be true and that is if you look up a term it will probably have like 10 or 15 different meanings depending on who you ask so um, i guess yeah um, let's just use all of these words somewhat interchangeably for the idea of um, co-creating with the computer in a different way and using programming languages and data to tell interesting stories and create cool 
and intriguing graphics, I guess, in a way. But yeah, um, good to break it kind of down, right? And to make it more accessible. So, um, I mean, maybe we could look at your perspective and how you got started in that field, because I mean, I already had prior programming experience, so I was a bit more exposed to all of this stuff, but uh, you really jumped quite freshly into this topic uh, when, we, when we got to know each other. Absolutely, yeah. So, um, well, I had this, 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 this vision of generative design before because I was working as a tutor in a class for elementary design at the Münster School of Design back in 2010, I think. And uh, there was this book, which basically kind of opened up a new world of possibilities. And elementary design, or well, the, the way of how uh, the professor Lothar Schönig teached elementary design was working with basic geometric shapes. The thing is just... If you work with processing, for example, which is an amazing programming language to get started with generative design and creative coding, um, you work with basic geometric shapes. But the difference is that you can literally, uh, let's say, display an unlimited amount of these shapes on the sketch window, which results in, in new possibilities in a huge new universe of possibilities, right? So in my work as an educator, the term gen generative design is not that important. My, the term I use more often to explain what I do is creative coding. And creative coding is, well, it's, 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 I think it's a little bit easier to understand. It just means um, programming with an artistic purpose. Or here's a very nice um, uh, definition of uh, Mitchell and Brown. I don't know exactly the names of these authors, but I found this, this site in the uh, doctoral thesis by Stig Wonder Hansen, which is, by the way, a foundational work. It's a wonderful, uh, if you learn creative coding or if you um, want, if you are an educator and you teach creative coding, this is a must read, right? And the um, definition says, creative coding is a discovery-based process consisting of exploration, iteration, and reflection using code as a primary medium towards a media artifact designer for artistic context. Hmm. Wow, that's a quite complex sentence, right? But I think there's so much in it, right? It's so, it, it, I so much, I really resonate with this definition. I really like it. I think uh, one particular point of that is really true and very important and is uh, that aspect of iteration, right? I mean, it's mm -hmm. like, uh, especially if you come to this field, um, haven't really done any like discovery in that. It seems like that, um, that it's something where people build this crazy, amazing stuff. And just really one thing to know is that it's not like a straight line, how you approach that, but it's really all these iterations and experiments. And, uh, I think one of the things which helped us both in the beginning was when we discovered Tumblr and this cool blog by Justin Lincoln, who's now yeah. also, I think a regular <laughs> on your Q and A session, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, uh, called FY processing. And, um, he was just kind Kind of reposting all these crazy works of i don't know art experiments kind of everything like generative or creative coding and um, we kind of made it a habit to challenge ourselves like to do these like uh, just experiments daily with a certain set of limitations and we possibly can get to that a bit later in the episode when we talk about a creative strategy and stuff but um really i just was able to get into all of this just because I, I just built a lot and I didn't really care about the outcome. I, I didn't um, have too lofty expectations. It's just like learning an instrument or anything else really, mm -hmm. right? You just got to get started somewhere and just kind of do it. And these iterations and experimentations are the beauty of it. And um, the cool thing about it is really that once you have this interesting foundation, you can build upon it. I mean, I, I saw you getting started with, you know, this kind of idea of repetition um, using for loops and stuff. Um, yeah. And just kind of 
building upon that and just doing all these iterations and experiments. It's definitely something I learned from you because I, I, I do tend to take like the next thing sometimes too quickly, but you know, you really trying to focus on the fundamentals and then trying to explore what's really hidden within it. That was uh, definitely, uh, yeah, something that has stuck with me. Um, <laughs> and just seeing, you know, that you shouldn't quit after five attempts, but maybe build 50 and see what's, what's hidden in there as well. <laughs> you know, I mean, there are people, and, and these are very important personalities in the history of art, that were dealing with very simple phenomenon or very simple tools. Like, you know, I, I'm really in love with these uh, preliminary course of the Bauhaus by Johannes Itten, where they really thought about the very simplest uh, visualization for phenomena like, you know, contrast or these very simple, simple um, uh, exercises that they did there. And that's something I was learning in this course for elementary design which really had a huge impact onto myself. And I also visited the, the uh, Hochschule für Gestaltung in Schwäbisch Gmünd. That's a design university or academy where they practice generative design and creative coding since many, many years. Uh, the professor teaching there is Benedikt Groß. And they had this culture of permutation. So to find every single possible, uh, let's say, um, version of a specific system, they had that uh, in their theory and in their teaching approach since many years before uh, generative design was born. So the theory, as you know, was there before, right? But the tools exist today and that's very exciting because we can really apply these theories to our design systems without, um, yeah, without having these, all these restrictions inside of design applications like Illustrator or InDesign or something. So one of the other things, I mean, we're jumping just a little bit around here in this first episode, I guess, because it's such a huge field. And I guess the next episodes are going to be more focused on more specific topics. But one thing we haven't really talked about yet is also the potential of generative design, creative coding, whatever we're going to call it, um, to incorporate uh, interaction, yes. which I think is um, uh, one of those things that classic systems of design um, cannot really do. It's usually a top-down approach where, like, I don't know, a design team or an artist or whoever designs something, creates something, and then it's handed off to the recipient or consumer or whoever, and uh, they look at it or whatever, and, and that's kind of the process how it works. So um, what I'm really interested in is um, the topic of interaction because it's um, something also which, if you look at all the texts and people really dealing with interaction, which is a very broad uh, field. I mean, basically, it comes down to two kinds of interactions, I guess. Either something where a human interacts with the system or something where kind of a system interacts with another system, which is interesting because it means that we actually, um, within this field, can explore multiple and sources of like interaction and what's driving a system. It could be um, some sort of data source. It could be some kind of uh, other computer program or, or whatever kind of weird stuff you could think of. And then it's also really, and that's a field that I'm very interested in also is uh, obviously people and just seeing what they do. It could be their movement. It could be their voice. It could be, I don't know if they laugh or not. It could kind of be anything. And um, I think that's really beautiful because it puts um, people at the center stage of this kind of work and um, kind of just allows for things to be discovered which uh, are usually just not possible with uh, all of these other fields. 
I just remember you in your room, I think about five or six years ago, when you just built this Kinect installation in your room, in your flat, right? And just dancing around before in front of this camera. When I moved all of the furniture in my place so that I could have one wall that I could project onto, yeah, that was really cool. That was early experiments and we kind of, I remember that we um, worked with the local theater, um, yeah. just trying to figure out if we could actually incorporate this into their kind of... Um, just screenplay stuff, etc. It was such an open field. I mean, I guess now we've somewhat found a little bit of an area that we are quite comfortable working in, but still I feel like um, like the potential is huge and you can always break out of that uh, realm and just do something else for a while with this because it's, it all kind of ties together. But yeah, that, that were fun times and uh, uh, quite different. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you just had this, you just used this very nice metaphor of, you know, practicing an instrument. And I think in your, in your situation, you are more now like a stage uh, musician that plays live on stage in front of, a, in front of an audience. Right. So um, that's very, very interesting. I think, do you agree with that? I mean, it's a pretty cool metaphor. I mean, um, one of the things I love to challenge myself with is um, with this kind of brand agency communication design approach that it kind of leaves um, the space or realm where generative design creative coding is usually already like somewhat known, right? I mean, you um, uh, have art galleries and all, all of these awesome spaces in, in cool cities where people kind of check this out. I mean, but applying it to like um, more uh, traditional communication design really does not um, give you that, um, I guess, like opportunity to, to talk to people where we have somewhat... Uh, informed about what's happening and I think that's an interesting challenge of how that can be applied to kind of everyday situations and how you can reach people um, who may never have been exposed to this kind of work before and mm -hmm. um, also you don't that easily get away with um, I don't know just an idea where you say yeah but it's pretty you know no offense to anybody that's uh, it's a huge field where you can just experiment and have fun but if you do communications design it has to work it always has a purpose it always has to do something or achieve something and um That is really challenging, but also a lot of fun. So yeah, stage musician is, is a good example, actually, because you have to deliver um, and not experiment there. That's, that's a different field, I guess. Mm. And what I find especially magical is that moment when my students understand the potentials of this very, let's say, this, this wide window of the processing application, which is a tool I use for, for my teaching, right? I think um, it's so cool and so empowering to really jump over that initial wall where, where you really have to, it, it's a steep learning curve, right? It's not easy to get into this, but once you just arrive at the top of this wall, you see the sacred land, it's so great and it has so many different possibilities in it, right? I mean, if you understand how these principles work, I mean, programming in its, in its basic uh, functionalities like variables, functions, loops, Uh, and conditional logic and stuff but that opens so many doors and I, 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 I love to, to observe my students breaking this barrier right it's such a wonderful what should, such a wonderful thing to, to, to do right I love that I don't even know if you've released it yet, but I love your thoughts also about this kind of base vocabulary that you need. And I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, also inspired a little bit by uh, the doctoral thesis by Jochen Fioff. Um, yes. You know, ranging like actual um, practical 
um, the uses of this kind of stuff in the arts and that it's actually something that, um, you know, should be considered as something that is really a form of expression of art and um, really also how to kind of tackle that. And I, I love this idea of a vocabulary because it's really like, like, like learning a language or I don't even know, even like learning to drive a car. There's like all these little things like you got to steer, you got to shift, you got to know the rules. But then as you do that, it becomes something bigger than the sum of its things and you're actually able to, I don't know, freely move around or write and that kind of stuff so i think that's definitely something um which also is super important to have in the back of your head if you're starting out or just generally trying to understand this field because it's not just i don't know a particle system or it's not just i don't know processing yep. it's like all of this and this becomes something bigger than it's 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 some this is an interesting let's say error in thinking when people think okay in this course i learn processing right? That's not true. That's not the case. The people don't learn processing. They learn the very fundamental concepts of programming. And these concepts and fun fundamental uh, uh, learnings are the same in every single language, if it is Python or Java or JavaScript, P5.js, whatever. So you always work with these basic building blocks. And that's something I find especially cool. Um, I don't want to be the you know, the technical processing teacher that bores me to death, right? I don't want to be the, the guy who explains how functions work in, in detail. I mean, that's a part of my job, but I, I really enjoy it in combination with the observation of the, let's say, the psychological process of my students, where they really step forward. Um, I like the idea of Uh, programming languages as uh, tools for digital empowerment. I mean, I don't want to go too deep into this topic because that's something completely different. But, you know, that's that's really what, what's driving me. We, we should talk about this later, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what we're seeing that we're coming up to like something like 25 minutes. So I guess um, some of these are really just something for the next episodes. I would totally love to go into the details of our creative strategy, the input-output model, yeah. I don't know, the magic triangle. Uh, indeed, uh, there's, there's so many things that we could talk about, which I guess if we tack them on into this episode, it's probably going to be a bit too much <laughs> to grasp. But um, <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, no, indeed, I mean, uh, you were just really raising like multiple good points there. And it's really about um, finding the potential of what could be done with this. I mean, I, I do remember vividly a moment where Uh, we were doing one of these uh, coding in the woods style affairs where we just uh, went to nature and took our laptops and um, just tried to get away from like the normal world and uh, just yeah explore what's possible with generative design and then we had someone mm. come over and interview us and they asked like okay but why is it cool why do you do it and i i was like oh damn i i, I don't know and it's like <laughs> i had in the heart in my heart i had that feeling of infinite potential and i think it's also what you say like creative yeah. um, coding equals unexplored territories but it was so hard to put it into words and sometimes i'm still struggling i, I miserably failed um on a talk i gave i think 2019 where they gave me eight minutes on stage to explain what I do. And wow, that went really badly. So um, there's so much stuff to talk about. But if, if, yeah, maybe people can take away one of one thing from this episode, it's hopefully our incredible enthusiasm of what we're yeah. doing here and what's possible with it. And, you know, there's, there's so much stuff to look into. 
I'm so happy that we just started this. I mean, we've been talking about this podcast since a long time. There were some tries and errors and I had some technical issues. I'm super happy that we have this one now on board. It's, it's amazing. really the first episode. <laughs> to be honest, it's, it's a secret. But <laughs> okay, cool. Let's uh, wrap this up. Yeah. So, Two Perspectives is our new podcast. We are looking forward to see you or hear... Well, we can see you, but you can hear us. We are, hope you... you uh, we will have you back in the next episode. Patrick, it was a pleasure. I wish you a wonderful weekend. And uh, yeah, see you later, right? See you probably on the next walk in a couple of hours. But uh, yeah, see you in the next episode, man. It was really cool. And I'm uh, looking forward to the next one. <laughs> Perfect. See you. Bye-bye. See you. Bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.